Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, editor of Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Joining me is Brendan Noonan from our communications team. We're pleased to have with us today attorney Stu Penensky from the law firm Traub, Lieberman, Strauss, and Shrewsbury, LLP, with offices in New York, New Jersey, California, Illinois, Florida, and London. Stu resides in the firm's New Jersey location and practices in the professional liability, construction defect, environmental, and data and technology practice groups. Stu also lectures on liability for data loss and authors a text chapter on insurance coverage for data loss claims. Today's topic is an introduction to the legal framework around data security and the concept of cyber loss, and Brendan Noonan is going to lead off with our first question. Stu, let's start with something simple. Can you define a data breach claim? Absolutely, and thank you for having me on this podcast. A data breach is a security incident in which protected or confidential data is either copied or viewed or stolen by an individual who did not have authorization to access such information, such data. The claims that arise when there is a data breach really fall under two categories first- and third-party claims. What I mean by first-party claim are those expenses that get incurred by the victim of a data breach, the costs, for example, to respond to the data breach incident from a technology point of view, the, the IT response, costs related to the notification of the customer base that you're required to do so in the event that you suffer a data breach, Costs such as for attorneys to assist in the response, to repair and remediate whatever technology problem there was that led to the breach, further investigation, as well as any business interruption loss and loss relating to threats or adversities to the reputation or character of the victim. The third-party claim is the claims that arise when a third party files a claim against the victim of a data loss for damages arising out of that security breach. So, for example, if you have a store and your customer's credit card information is stolen and there's a lawsuit by one of those customers against you, that would fall into the category of third-party loss. So claims arising out of a data breach fall under one of those two broad categories. What businesses are most at risk for data claims? That's a great question, and and the numbers do change. I know that in the 2013, in the year that just passed, from the Net Diligence Study, which is one of the preeminent academias that study data loss and cyber claims, clearly the healthcare and the financial services industries have experienced the most claims to date. There are more regulations that affect those two industries than in other industries. So that's not surprising. However, other business sectors that have been affected, in, the, in particularly in 2013, by data breach claims are particularly retail and professional services. The most growth that we've seen by sector as far as data breach claims goes is professional services. And personally, that's a trend that I, I see continuing into the future. Law firms, insurance agencies, architectural and engineering firms, doctor's offices, etc. That's the main targets of data breach claims. Stu, why are we hearing so much about data issues lately? Well, there have been a handful of 
very high-profile cases involving data loss. I guess the first one that people think about, I think, where really made national and international headlines was back in April of 2011, which was the Sony PlayStation data breach. Sony had released possibly 77 million users, had their accounts broken into, and personal information was stolen. There was a lawsuit about that breach that was largely dismissed in 2012 by a California district judge. And, however, some of it has survived, so that litigation is still ongoing. More recently, data breaches made headlines through the retailer known as Target. Target had a breach shortly before the uh, holiday season of last year, and it reported originally that it had approximately 40 million credit and debit card numbers of their customers stolen. However, just this past weekend, Target has released that that number may crawl to over 110 million, which is almost three times the size of the original of what was originally believed. Additionally, the high-end department store Neiman Marcus, again, just this week, confirmed that its database of customer information was hacked right around the same time as the Target breach. And although some of the details of the Neiman Marcus breach has not yet been released, it's following the same pattern. Uh, in this instance, it's the stealing or accessing of credit cards and debit card information. Stu, do insurance companies offer coverage for data loss? Uh, that's a great question. Insurance companies do offer coverage for data loss. The insurance industry has been working with data and privacy claims since the mid-90s. But one of the interesting things about the insurance industry's reaction to data loss is that traditional insurance products, even with the best intentions, have never squarely fit with the costs and the claims that were related to cyber, to data loss. So, for example, even a broadly worded errors and omissions policy is still tied to, quote, professional services and or often tied to a requirement that there be literally an act of negligence, some error or omission. See, sometimes with data losses, there is no such act or omission. CGL covers only bodily and uh, injury and property damage, and in there, only tangible property damage. And some courts have ruled that data is not tangible property. Courts have consistently held that data is not considered property and therefore potentially not a direct physical loss that would fall under a property policy. Uh, crime policies require intent kidnap and ransom. There has to be some extortion. So there were these gaps in traditional insurance products. So when the insurers would file claims relating to data loss, they would find that they were missing some area of coverage in the first or third party context. The market responded slowly in the last 10, 15 years by issuing a new product to fill the gap, those gaps called global cyber policies or comprehensive cyber policies. I also note that the insurance industry is still is the only industry that I know that's still referring to data loss as cyber. Cyber is kind of an old word, but the insurance industry likes it. But the cyber policies are, are typically categorized as E&O policies, but they include package coverage. So they'll cover things like theft, destruction, costs related to crisis management and crisis response, business interruption loss that may you ex may experience in some sort of denial of service attack, lost income, extortion, cyber extortion, media or web content liability, slander, misappropriation, these things that may or may not have fallen under a traditional insurance policy's coverage part would now fall under the global insurance or cyber policy. How has the market changed or evolved in this type of risk? Well, I, I think I just touched on that a little bit. 
back when these things first arose, I think a lot of it in the late 90s, policies began covering what they called at the time internet liability. But you have to understand, there was, you know, e-commerce was fairly new. The web-based risks were poorly understood by underwriters and by the market in general. HIPAA was first enacted, if you think about it, in 1996. So there was, you know, a, a kind of a slow learning curve about what these new types of risks were. In the early part of last decade, we found some of the there were uh, some of the larger players begin to offering different types of coverages for data loss, but we still there were very few claims, so there wasn't the ability to study objectively the way these claims came in. The brokers were not really interested; they didn't really understand the risk. And if you did purchase some sort of cyber risk in, in the early part of last decade, usually there were low limits available, and a lot of the policyholders just ignored the risk. They would claim they understood the risk, but they didn't do anything to take it. But, you know, in the last five years or so, a lot of carriers have joined the market. There are package markets that join in. Data breaches are all over the headlines, like we talked about. And there is an evolving market need. Just one statistic that I think is really important is that in the 2013 study, what you find really interesting is when you talk, this is a study actually at AIG, when AIG took a poll of its insured's top concerns about risk, 86%, which was the number one response, was cyber risk or computer risk. Over 86% of AIG's responding insureds named cyber, but less than one-third of those actually purchased the cyber policy. So the market is changing, and, it, and it's still changing. And, Stu, what do you recommend for companies and firms to stay secure? Right, and so that's really the whole point here. I think there are a series of best practices. There are companies that specialize in data response that you can research and, and learn about. But in the most general sense, the most important thing is, is to be mindful. Computers interact with our lives from the minute we wake up in the morning to the minute we go to bed at night. There's data everywhere. There's data on your alarm clock, on your fax machine, on your cell phone. And it's all out there. So if you have a business or you're an insurer that is giving advice to your insured, you're an attorney that's giving advice to your client, tell them, clearly identify all potentially private information. Have a policy, have a plan for your enterprise to deal with a breach. Make sure that your computer network, in whatever size it is, is reasonably sophisticated. Backup, backup, backup. Do file-level backups, system-level backups. Encrypt your sensitive data. Make sure you have a competent IT staff. Make sure you have system-wide and enterprise-wide firewalls. Again, more on the, on the IT side of things. Make sure that your staff is familiar with what your company's policies are and that they understand it, that they're aware of the risk. Training. You know, disaster recovery, business continuity, first response, your, make sure your vendors are compliant. There's a lot that can be done now, and just to be even mindful of the risk in the first instance, you're taking a good step forward from where we were enterprise-wide just a few years ago. Thanks so much for joining us today, Stu. Thank you very much for the opportunity. That was Stu Panensky from the law firm Traub, Lieberman, Strauss, and Shrewsbury, LLP, with offices in New York, New Jersey, California, Illinois, Florida, and London. Special thanks to Brendan Noonan from our communications team and to our producer, Brian Cohen. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, visit podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com or go to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. If you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast.ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, joined by Brendan Noonan, and now this message. 
Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non-insurance companies, third-party administrators, and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our comprehensive reference guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AMBES listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed, those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year-long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there's no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys, visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com. 